A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Billboard Chartbeat Podcast. Gary Trust here, Billboard's co-director of charts. And I'm Trevor Anderson, Billboard's chart manager slash editorial liaison. I had to think about that for a second. That's kind of weird. <laughs> All right. Lots of good stuff coming up on the podcast this week. We will run down the top 10 of this week's Billboard Hot 100, which includes a new number one for Kendrick Lamar. Uh, we'll, uh, welcome back our industry insider guests, Yael and Dave Penn from Hit Songs Deconstructed to look at uh, some recent trends in pop music. And we'll do a bit of a deep dive. Uh, now the Chainsmokers closer, and we'll flash back to 1995. You know, some memory starting to form there, about three, four years old. A uh, rap icon scored his first Hot 100 Top 10. Uh, we'll actually bring in Billboard's uh, Dan Rice for that as well. But uh, first, this week's Billboard Hot 100 Top 10. 10, 9, 8, 10. Push me to the edge, all my friends are dead. Push me to the edge, all my friends are dead. Push me to the edge. Phantom, that's all right. Inside all white, that's how they arise. Number nine. Despacito. Quiero respirar tu cuello despacito. Deja que te diga cosas al oído. Para que te acuerdes si no estás conmigo. Number eight. Number seven. Number six. A girly I can get cause she don't get too many likes. A curly headed cutie I could turn into my wife. Wait, that means forever, ever old of never mind. Oh, I spy. Number five. Number four. Number three. Number three. 
number two. And number one. Okay, so ending with a brand new number one for the week. Uh, for the first time in 11 weeks, if you've been paying attention, that is not Shape of You at number one. So Kendrick Lamar takes over that title this week. Uh, the song Humble jumps up to number one. Kendrick's first number one on the Hot 100 as a lead artist. Some of you guys may remember that he was featured on Taylor Swift's Bad Blood back in 2015. Um, major week for him, obviously the album Damn, also coming in at number one on the Billboard 200. And really the streaming was huge on the album and the streaming was enormous on the song. And that's really you know, what powered it up to number one on the Hot 100. Yeah, it's the highest uh, streams for songs since uh, Bowers' Harlem Shake back in 2013. That was obviously driven by a lot of user-generated videos. Uh, it beats uh, something a little more uh, comparatively just for uh, doing it on its own mostly. A uh, little bit more than Adele's Hello had in its first week. Which is insane because especially when that song came out, you know, it sold over a million downloads in a week. That's one of those records that when you saw it, you were like, oh, that's that's probably going to be safe for a while. And here we are, you know, not even two years later. Yeah, and I think obviously there's just, uh, Kendrick is just so huge. I think what's drawing people in also is is the baseline in humble it just it's it's kind of a cool unique musical sound underneath the rap it just it kind of has a, a sound that doesn't really sound like anything else to me yeah you know a lot of people have kind of pointed out that this album you know if his last album to pimp a butterfly to pimp a butterfly was um a little more uh, experimental in its sound you know obviously um track links a lot of spoken not honestly spoken word but a lot of social meditation which is still present in damn but in a little more exploratory sense, Damn is, you know, a little more a little more focused, a little more, you know, um, commercial oriented. Not not a sellout album by any means, but people really, like you said, are kind of a little more focused on what's the sound like, what's gonna work, what's gonna click together, and I think that's a perfect example. And obviously, you know, the fact that chose it as the lead single proves that, you know, they really saw something in that song that that could really send a message. And Ed Sheeran uh, down after uh, twelve total weeks at number one. Still in the top two though, number two. Yeah, Ed has been uh, in the top two for 15 weeks now, all overall. Um, the song debuted at number one, slipped down to number two for a couple of weeks, and then went on an 11-week stretch at number one that just ended this week with Humble, of course. Maybe Ed can go back to number one. We'll right. see. But with uh, 15 weeks in the top two, um, seems to be kind of closing in on One Sweet Day's record, uh, which One Sweet Day, the song by Mariah Carey, Boys to Men, spent its first 16 weeks at number one, and then dropped to number two after that. So 17 weeks overall in the top two for that song. Ed only two weeks away, and he hasn't dropped from number two since. So, you know, if Ed can't tie the number one record that One Sweet Day has with 16 weeks at number one, perhaps he can settle for the top two record. Yeah, and it's it's also, uh, at the moment, number two uh, for the longest running Hot 100 number one in Atlantic Records history. Uh, 12 weeks at number one for Shape of You. Uh, the uh, the boy's mine by Brandy and Monica. Thirteen weeks at number one in nineteen ninety eight. So a week shy of that record. I wait. Uh, who was on? Who was on Atlantic? Brandy. Monica was on. Brandy's on. Oh, Brandy. Okay. Oh yeah, because Mo- I knew Monica was on Arista. She was on Arista. Brandy was right, Atlantic. and then Brandy was Atlantic. And so they. So did Arista not get? 
Well, we count for both. Oh, okay. We count for right. both, okay. both labels. But, Bear is uh, fair, right? Yeah, but no, it just is sort of interesting how uh, uh, Shape of You, well, at the moment, is, is uh, behind two of the biggest uh, duets of the 90s. One Sweet Day, Mariah and Boyce to Men, and Brandy and Monica. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, especially, I know some people were already kind of kind of itching, you know, could Shape of You be that song? Because it was doing so well at radio, really, you know, even even the past couple of weeks, you know, it had been number one on the chart for a while, still gaining in points. And it seems like, you know, the big question, of course, will be, how does Humble do now? You know, now the album's out, of course, it had that first monster week with the album being out. Can it hold up? Can it keep up? Or, you know... Could could Ed make a run back? And then, of course, if Ed you know ends up, let's say, at 15 weeks at number one, you know, people will remember this week is like the one that right. he almost added, and then here we go. But and that'll be a the, fun race. And for the Bruno fans, uh, it's not as if Kendrick, on his own, kept uh, Bruno for number one. That's what I like. Still is behind Shape of You this week at number three, although uh, it's gaining. Shape of You is down a little bit. So, so yeah, we'll see. It was a you know, sort of a close race uh, among the top three this week so after that big first week for humble we'll find out next week if uh, if ed sharon can go back if that's finally the week for bruno to uh to, to make it to number one or if the streams for humble just stay so high that it has a chance to stay number one yeah i don't know if people realize like even though bruno hasn't been number one yet like how big and how close that song like really really is um you know it's always kind of an unfortunate thing when a song piece at number two because it always kind of has that <sighs> Oh, you know, kind of factor with it. But um, like you're saying, I mean, Bruno is tantalizingly close. And it might just be one of those things, who knows? Um, I mean, timing is so important yeah. in hits as well that, you know, if this, were, if this song were out at multiple points last year, it would have been number one by, you know, a good margin. Right. It just unfortunately ran up against uh, two of the biggest players in the game. But it's not over yet. So we'll uh, see. Couple other uh, uh, key uh, songs in the top ten. A new top ten for Zed and Alessia Cara with "Stay." And maybe the most interesting thing about that is uh, a female artist is back in the top ten after there weren't any last week. And we did the research. Turns out that was the first time uh, in 33 years, going back to 1984, that there had been no solo women in the top ten. Gary, that was that means every week I've been alive. There's yeah. been a woman in the top ten until, until last, last week. week. Wow. This was a rite of passage for me. So, Thank God it's over. Thank you, Alessia. So why did that happen? We looked at some of the, the reasons. Hip-hop is having a huge year. That's a traditionally male-dominated. Uh, Adele's 25 for the singles run might be done for that. Ariana's uh, singles from uh, Dangerous Woman uh, might be done at this point. So a little bit of a lull of, uh, of uh, hit albums by women right now. Yeah. And, and again, as we were just talking about uh, coincidence, it you know, just happens to be the timing. Uh, the song uh, number, uh, number 11 last week was uh, It Ain't Me by Selena and Kygo. If that had been number 10, the streak would have continued. So part of it is just, just coincidence, but you put all that together, pretty pretty historic week. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you said, t- I mean, Taylor, even though she's had a song out in the past couple of weeks, kind of in that same midst, but... Um, I mean, streaming and rap in particular just had a, a show out week. I mean, we have five songs, five rap songs in the top 10 of the Hot 100. That hasn't happened in a long time. And it's just, I mean, it's incredible how streaming just continues to, to keep growing and growing as we're seeing, in particular, Kendrick's being the focus point this week, that it is just taking over. And I mean, just kind of crazy. All right. Busy a week in the top 10. That's why we're going deeper this week. We also didn't have a Facebook Live. This week we did not, unfortunately. So we're uh, we're we're uh, giving you all this this pent up uh, chart <laughs> information. Uh, but uh, Luis Fonzi and Daddy Yankee uh, Despacito featuring Justin Bieber hits the top ten of the Hot 100. Uh, flies forty eight to nine. Uh, 
obviously the Bieber uh, remix is what uh, helped push it to the top ten. Um, but I mean, you know, to be fair, it had been it had been a, ma- a massive hit on its own, right. especially on the Latin charts. And I mean, the fact that you know it was in the fifties, if I believe, of the Hot One Hundred, yeah, even 50s, when it was 40s. just in Spanish, right? Um, yeah, fifties, forties. So the fact that even as you know, an all Spanish song got that high is you know incredible in itself. Uh, you know what's cool is is uh, it's number one on Hot Latin Songs this week for twelfth week, and it's in the top ten. Uh, song that gets pushed out from the top ten is Sam Hunt's "Body Like a Backroad." That's number one on Hot Country Songs. It's a pretty good variety in the Hot One Hundreds top ten. We we never have <laughs> next the to those one five song, rap songs, <laughs> next to those rap songs and, and some pop. But we never have the number one country song in the Hot One Hundreds top ten. It had been four years since Cruise, mm-hmm. and now a Hot Latin Songs. You have to go back to uh, "Give Me Everything." by a Pitbull back in 2011. And that was before that chart was even uh, based on streaming, sales, and airplay. It was just airplay back then. So pretty rare to have the number one Latin and number one country song in the top ten here for the last couple of weeks. And now they've both done so in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, I guess that speaks to, A, the power of streaming, obviously, is kind of an, an equalizer in some ways. And, you know, a good song is obviously a good song. I mean, the fans, you know, the country fans were out there for Sam Hunt and repping and obviously made that a big move, especially after the ACMs, when I think a lot of people discovered it for the first time. Uh, You know, so Bieber sings uh, in Spanish. Sings in Spanish. It starts with about 40 seconds of English, and then the rest of it's in Spanish, and has Bieber uh, singing in Spanish. I I started wondering what other mainstream pop artists like Bieber have recorded in other languages and had hits. Uh, Christina Aguilera. Yeah, she obviously, I mean, especially in the early part of career, really... You know, embrace that that and had she had didn't she have that Spanish album Miraflejo yeah. and you know I, I I took Spanish for a little bit what can I say um well but that's sort of more obvious but someone yeah. like Bieber who you wouldn't necessarily think would sing in Spanish Ooh, Canadian the, Justin Bieber and would have never right. guessed uh there, there's been other acts who've recorded in other languages uh that you again wouldn't really expect Johnny Cash did a Spanish version. Of Ring of Fire, mm-hmm. which actually isn't that crazy when you think about it, because the song sort of has that sound to begin with. The guitar work, the production. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm, it has like a Latin flair to it. I, maybe I, need to, I, I can hear it in my head, or maybe I need to like hear it again with the full accompaniment. All right, let, let, but, let's play a clip of it. Yo sentí que sus llamas me abrazaban con el pensador y me devoraban all right, what do you think of that, Trevor? Okay, all right, I can see it. I'll I'll give it to you. Uh, Roxette from Sweden did an entire album of their hits in Spanish, which is really odd if you think about it. Bieber is from Canada; he's doing Spanish. Roxette from Sweden. Uh, hmm. They did their song. They're very big in South America. That's that's why they did that. I mean, that's actually kind of cool that they recognize that. You know, a lot of people. I mean, they would they would you know, oh, hey, that's cool. I appreciate it, but to go to that length to to kind of connect with your fans in a new way, that's pretty dope. All right, Johnny Cash was one thing. What do you think of Charlie XCX doing boom clap in Japanese? Yeah, you know, Japanese fans are huge fans of pop music. Like, I mean, Mariah is huge over there. Um, I mean, they love pop. So actually, this and the fact that this is like such a one of the 
best pop songs probably past five years. That makes perfect sense, like, why it would resonate in Japan. I like how she didn't translate boom, clap. They're, they're sounds. They're not words. They're, they're sounds. Works in any language. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean it's got to be a word for clap, but I guess maybe. Yeah, I guess the meaning is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Beatles uh, in Michelle, uh, French. There's French lyrics in that. They also recorded uh, I Want to Hold Your Hand and She Loves You in German. Because the Beatles spent time in Germany. Oh before yeah, they when they were the through, so they in Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, I learned that in my history of rock music class at Vanderbilt. Uh, shout out to Professor Jen Gunderman for that one. <laughs> but yeah, I remember that. That was in Hamburg for a few years before they before they made it. And uh, Connie Francis, my mother's favorite artist, she recorded in fifteen languages. She had a Jewish and Italian upbringing, a Yiddish, fifteen mm-hmm. languages. That's a lot. That's, I mean, that's got to be a record. Like, 15. I can't even name 15. I was just languages. thinking, I was like, I can probably name about eight. Um, we'll work our way up the same. Gary, I'm a little, I'm a little confused about some people, somebody in particular you may have left off this list. Okay, I've got one more too, but you, you go first. Well, no, I have to go last because mine's okay. going to, mine's going to trump it. The other one, I have to mention, Linda Ronstadt did. Oh yeah, I'm gonna uh, three, drop that. Three Spanish albums uh, in the early '90s, and, and the reason I thought of that one is because she was on the Simpsons, the the, the Plow King episode, the Mister. Yeah, I remember that episode. Plow King yeah. episode where she does uh, jingle with. Oh, she does the. Oh, she does the theme with, with, really with, with Barney, and then at the end she says, uh, "I, I want to record a version of the jingle in Spanish," because she was sort of a joke that she kept doing all these Spanish albums. Everyone was so surprised she started doing these Spanish albums, and he, and he said. Yeah, you do that. He just wasn't cultured enough to, to appreciate it. Huh? That's I. That is funny. I do remember this project. I had no idea that that was her. Um. All right. Who do you got? Who, who did I forget? But it's somebody kind of like you were saying with Roxette. Somebody who who realized they have a huge fan base that speaks Spanish decided to record two, at least two of her songs in Spanish. <laughs> Beyonce, Beyonce has um, uh, she she recorded Irreplaceable in Spanish herself. I mean, they translated. Every, I mean, everything, even the to the left is all that's translated. Um, and then uh, followed it up about a year and a half later. She recorded If I Were a Boy in Spanish as well. Uh, right. So definitely in that 2006 2008 window, um, she put out at least two Spanish songs, maybe a few more, and did it all. You know, she didn't translate it herself, but. You know, brought in some people to help her with the pronunciation, everything, put them out. And usually when she goes to a Spanish-speaking country in concert, sometimes she'll still sing them. That must be just so – It must for, for fans, you're, you're around the world. If you don't speak the language but you like your music, to have an artist like that then a record a song in your language, that has to be – it has to mean so much to, to fans. Yeah, I'm sure the first time that – I guess maybe she probably sang uh, – Spanish version of Irreplaceable in Spain. I mean, people probably went wild because, yeah. you know, same beat, same melody, and you're expecting it to be this, and it's like, wait a minute, I got something for y'all. Like, that must have been crazy. What's the word for queen in Spanish? You, you took Spanish? Uh, oh, gosh. I'm going to mess it. I, I, I know it is La Reina. Yeah. Like, Rey is king and Reina is queen. All right. Uh, pop acts singing in other languages. 
not, not really a huge trend currently in pop music. So it stands out uh, for Bieber. But uh, there are other trends going on in pop music. You know, Bieber brought up the he brought up the trap house That's thing right. to a new level. This could be the next wave. It's true. It could. Bieber the trendsetter. All right. Let's get uh, into trends in pop music right now. We're bringing back our guests from Hit Songs Deconstructed, Yael and Dave Penn, to talk about trends. Also uh, talking about the Chainsmokers Closer, our industry insider interview here on the Billboard Chappy podcast. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yael and Dave Penn from Hit Songs Deconstructed back here on the Chartbeat Podcast. Trevor didn't last time. I felt like, as always, I learned so much from having you guys on here. Yeah, it's always funny how you... Like, there are a few things like the TLC thing that I kind of picked up, but then when Dave was going through, like, the multi-layers and the multi, like, sort of levels of the choruses of the song, I was like, okay, I didn't even think about, like, all of that when I was listening to it. So, yeah, it's awesome. Cool. Thanks for coming back. Oh, pleasure to be back. Great to be Thanks here. Thanks for having us. All right, so Shape of You, last week we're getting into other trends that you're uh, noticing in hip music. Yeah. Uh, specifically, we're going to uh, talk a little bit about uh, Chainsmokers Closer, one of the biggest hits of the last year and more. Uh, just for anyone who missed it or anyone who wants to know more, uh, Yael, just uh, fill everyone in again on what exactly Hit Songs Deconstructed is and what you guys do. So what we do at Hit Songs Deconstructed is we track the compositional characteristics and the songwriting and production techniques that are found in the songs that land in the top 10 of the Billboard Hot 100. So what makes us unique is that we complement resources that are tracking sales, radio airplay, and streams because we're focusing on the comp- uh, on this, focusing on the songs at the compositional level. So our reports and our immersion searchable database provides uh, data and analysis that reflect the current state of mainstream music at the compositional level. And our subscribers use Hit Songs Deconstructed to research, discover, and understand the characteristics and trends that are driving today's hits. And you guys are back uh, again last time. Ed Sheeran, Shape of You, we got so in-depth about that. But uh, Dave and Yell, I know you guys are are always uh, doing such in-depth reports, not just specifically on songs, but overall trends in music. Mm -hmm. What else have you been noticing about you guys look at the top ten of the Hot 100 pretty closely every week. So what what else is going on in the top ten lately that you've been been looking at? Yeah, there were were a couple of uh, interesting trends over the past year, which I thought we'd just touch on a little bit. Um, So lead vocal gender in the Hot 100 top ten. So 2016 wasn't the best year for solo male and solo female vocals, but it was a great year for duets. So 
At the beginning of 2016, solo male vocals were at their highest level of popularity in years, counting for 60% of top 10 hits. Pillow Talk and Bieber's trifecta of Love Yourself, Sorry, and What Do You Mean? But by the beginning of 2017, solo male vocals dropped to their lowest level of popularity in years, accounting for just 35% of songs. Among them were chart toppers like Starboy and Shape of You, as well as other songs that didn't rise to the top, such as Castle on the Hill, Fake Love, and That's What I Like. Now, compared to solo male vocals, solo female vocals have not fared that well at all in the top 10 over the past few years. Since 2013, they, were, they typically account for between just 10% and 30% of songs, and by mid-2016, they were at one of their higher points at 30%. But following this peak, they began to decrease in popularity, and by the beginning of 2017, they were near one of their lowest levels in years, accounting for just 12% of hits. Um, they included Love on the Brain by Rihanna, Million Reasons by Lady Gaga, and Scars Too Beautiful by Alicia Cara, um, none of which hit number one. So with solo male and solo female vocals reaching near record lows, that leaves only one vocal category that had to significantly increase in prominence, and that was duet group vocals. Now, to put this into perspective, towards the beginning of 2016, duet group vocals were at their lowest level of prominence in years, accounting for just 18% of songs. Among them were Like I'm Gonna Use you, uh, Lose You, which is uh, Megan Trainer and John Legend, Me, Myself, and I, which is G-Eazy, featuring B.B. Rexa, Same Old Love, Selena Gomez, featuring Charlie XCX, and also Work, Rihanna, and Drake. But throughout the year, they began to increase in prominence, and by the beginning of 2017, they were near their highest level in years, accounting for over half of the songs in the top 10 of the Hot 100. Examples include songs such as Closer, Black Beatles, I Don't Want to Live Forever, and Juju on That Beat. Now, within the duet group vocal category, all male duet group vocals were the big gainer. Um, there were none during the first three quarters of 2016, but by the beginning of 2017, it accounted for 27% of songs, which was its highest level of popularity since way back in mid-2013. Among them are 24K Magic, Bad and Bougie, Black Beatles, Bounce Back, Broccoli, and Juju on that beat. So what's the commonality between these songs? Anyone want to venture a guess? Teacher's calling on you, Trevor. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's looking right at Raise me. <laughs> Uh, 24K I, Magic, Bed and Bougie, Black Beatles, Bounce Back, Broccoli, Juju on that beat. Okay, five out of the six of them are, are rap songs. And, I mean, the last one is 24K Magic, which is not a rap song. Obviously, Bruno is a huge fan of, of R&B, hip-hop influence. So it's got to be, you know, that ding, ding, the ding, ding, guys ding. are coming with the hip-hop exactly. game. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. You got it. Teacher so A plus, <laughs> baby. A plus. A plus. <laughs> well, A, A. No, no, I'm going to give you no, you, you are the man. Um, I put you on the spot. Um, so that brings us to our next trend, and which is the rise of prominence of hip-hop in the top 10 of the Hot 100. So as an influence, both within the hip-hop genre, as well as traversing into other genres, such as pop and R&B, the prominence of hip-hop in the top 10 skyrockets over 60% of songs at the beginning of 2017. And to put this into perspective... During the past few years, hip-hop has an influence that averaged at 38% of songs. 
Some of the recent top 10 representatives of the hip hop genre are like Tunnel Vision, Ben Bougie and Black Beatles. And outside the hip hop genre, you know, there are certain songs that feature hip hop as an influence in addition to others. And let's check out a few examples. So the first, Trevor, is 24K Magic, Bruno Mars. It features a late 70s, early 80s hip hop influence, which is put into effect by the characteristics of the accompaniment and the vocals, in addition to electropop, funk, and R&B. I'm a dangerous man with some money in my pocket. Keep up! So many pretty girls around me and they're waking up the rocket. Keep up! Why you mad? Fix your face. Ain't my fault they all be jacking. Keep up! Players only. Come on. Very old school. Um, then you got Side to Side, which is Ariana Grande featuring Nicki Minaj. And it possesses a hip-hop influence primarily thanks to Nicki Minaj's rapped bridge in addition to electropop, R&B, and reggae influences. And the last one we'll check out is Don't Wanna Know, which is Maroon 5 featuring Kendrick Lamar, who's having a very good week in the Hot 100 Top 10 with uh, Humble. Right. Yeah. And um, it features uh, Kendrick Lamar's rapped bridge in addition to the song's dance, electropop, and tropical influences. No more please stop. No more hashtag booed up screenshots. No more trying to make me jealous on your birthday. You know just how I make you better on your birthday. Oh, do we do you like this? Do we will you like this? Do we let it down for your country? Now, speaking of tropical, it's been one of the hottest trends to permeate the top 10 in quite some time. Over the past few years, tropical was barely a factor, influencing the sound of around 10% of songs or less, with some quarters where it wasn't even a factor at all. But um, all that began to change like in, uh, like between like late 2015 and early 2016, thanks to the arrival of songs such as Cheerleader, One Dance, Work, and Bieber's What Do You Mean and Sorry, all of which were number one hits. And that seemed to you know, set the spark for the explosion that occurred in the third quarter of 2016, with the popularity of Tropical in the top 10 leaped from just 13% of songs to over a third of all songs and remained there through the end of the year. And, you know, there was a whole, you know, list of A-list superstars that capitalized on the trends such as Sia, Shawn Mendes, Maroon 5, and Ed Sheeran. You know, let's check out some examples. Just you and me. songs that kept it in effect throughout the winter of 2016 you know usually you have like dance and tropical influences waning in the uh winter months right but you know he kept that into effect which is you know kind of rare yes i feel like like these reggae tropical sounds they've always been kind of a secret weapon in pop music maybe for summer hits like you're saying Dave. but it seems like we're just in this sustained period now where so many songs dude all those songs you just played they almost sounded like one continuous song 
It's all the same beat, <laughs> for the most part. Very similar beat, at least. Right. But um, it'll be very interesting to see what happens in you know the upcoming summer. Does it remain at a peak? You know, is it kept alive, or uh, will there be something else coming? So it, it, we'll part see, of it, yeah. it, part of it seems like it's a response to all the really high energy dance that we had for a long time. Now it's sort of swung back to more of a minimal, minimalist uh, type sound. Oh, exactly it, right. It, it yeah. just seems to be lasting, and every, everything is cyclical. But it, uh, it almost seems like this would have happened at some point before because it is such such a, a chill vibe. It seems yeah. to really work. I'm surprised it, it seems to have taken till now in pop music for it to be such a, a longstanding trend now for for a couple of years. Well, you know, and what's really interesting is that you know some of these you know trends or you know even fads that I call them, you know where. You know, you had the explosion of folk, you know, years ago and gospel and funk and retro 80s. You know, usually these explode during a certain quarter. Like, you know, you see them really increase in prominence. But right after that grand peak, they decline quite quickly. Right. But here, after Tropical hit that 35% mark, it stayed for a second. In Q4, it was still 35% of songs. So it was still very popular. And again, right through the winter as well. Something, so it has staying power. Something else yeah. is going to come along at some point. Because, like, just like when you listen to an '80s song now, and it just sounds, you know, that was 1983. Yeah. At some point, a few years from now, we're going to hear "Shape of You," and, and it might still be a huge hit you hear on AC radio, but it might really sound like, "Yep, that was uh, the mid 2000s." Exactly. Back in the tropical 2017. You, th- yeah. you think? <laughs> I, mean, I guess. Yeah. Because you listen back to stuff now from, like, 2006, 2007, like Beyonce, Irreplaceable. There were a lot of songs that had that same kind of acoustic and shuffle and you, the production. Just already a little bit you can date it at this point. I mean, I guess you can definitely date, like, you know, like the auto-tune era. You all, like, everyone knows, like, between, mm-hmm. you know, oh, this was, like, an 06 to 09 kind of song. Or, right. like, those kind of, like, Scott Storch violin beats of, like, 2003 <laughs> to 2006. It's like, yeah, I, it's just – and I know it's it's kind of obviously – in the moment bias, it's so hard to think that I'm going to be like at some point like, oh, that was right. Yep, that was 2017. Like, but I guess yeah, it'll, it'll be true. It's just interesting to see what. I mean, I guess you know, generally, is it something that comes after this that's more a swing way in the other direction, or is it sometimes these trends you know kind of get you know suffocated? For the most by, part, it's you know again like you know we we've discussed is that blend of familiarity and originality. And it's keeping that familiar sound in effect, you know, of what's just been popular, but then kind of like, you know, sneaking something else in there that's like, oh, that, that's different, you know. So, you know, that's when you, you know, do I go back to the 60s? Do I go back to the 70s? Or like Rihanna's previous, what, what was the name of it? Um, it? The one that was, I don't know if it's still in the top 10. What, um, Needed Me or? Needed, uh, no, no, no. Love um, on the Brain. Love on the Brain. Love on the Brain. You know, very yeah. 60s kind right. of, you know, vibe to it. So you could yeah. draw off of all these old things, but still keep, you know, modern production values in effect and still have it, you know, sound fresh and current, but, you know, do something that somebody else isn't currently doing. And that's really, you know, the secret to success in the Hot 100 Top 10. And it's been said, too, uh, Sean Ross, who, who's a radio writer, used yeah. to work at Billboard, he, he covers a lot of these trends. He has for years. He always says that something you're hearing now, record labels are finding artists and producing songs. So the sounds that you're hearing now, for the next six months, they're signing and producing mm-hmm. you know, songs that are going to have that same sound. So that's why some of these trends do last for a while, because of just the time it takes for songs to get written and recorded and produced right. based on what's popular now, it, that song won't come out for a few months. So that's how it continues on. Right. You know, and, you know, if you have an album where you have a tropical song in, you know, in the pocket or whatever, 
good time to take it out and put it out as a single. Why right. not? You know, right. capitalize on the trend. So A and R's, if you're listening, exactly. strike. <laughs> Keep the tropical alive. <laughs> put at least one song on there, just in case. Yeah. Okay, uh, so last time that you guys were here, we talked about a massive Hot 100 number one hit, Ed Sheeran, Shape of You. Uh, another Hot 100 massive hit we've had in the past year is The Chainsmokers' Closer with Halsey, and I think you guys have got something to deconstruct on that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, like Shape of You, Closer is meticulously well-crafted and you know really possesses many of the qualities that we find within the songs that land within the, within the upper reaches of the Hot 100 Top 10. And also like Shape of You, Closer conveys a sex theme in a very radio-friendly, under-the-radar manner, keeps the listener immersed in the song's hook centers for the majority of the song, and it was also influenced by another song for which other, uh, other writers were later credited. So let's start with the lyrics. So Closer is a love relationship-themed and hooking-up-themed song about two people who were involved in a relationship, broke up, and ran into one another after a four-year hiatus. And despite the issues that led to the breakup, the attraction between the two of them is still mutual, and it culminates with them hooking up as depicted in the chorus. And the development of the hookup in the chorus is actually quite engaging. So it essentially progresses through three stages. The first being that the protagonist and antagonist are moving closer to one another in the backseat of the rover. Stage two progresses to the biting of the tattoo on the shoulder. And the third seals the deal with pull the sheets right off the corner of that mattress that you stole. So I don't think that they were talking about making the bed here. Um, so like Shape of You, this cleverly implies sex without getting explicit, which keeps it radio-friendly without the need for edits. And then we also have hooks, and that's what it's really all about here. So Closer keeps the listener immersed in its hook centers for 58% of its total composition, which is nearly identical to Shape of You. Its hook centers consist of the chorus, instrumental break, vocal break, and the outro. And also like Shape of You, when we did that, the listener is kept in these hook centers for five consecutive sections as the song heads towards a conclusion. But unlike Shape of You, which features a few different hooks that interact throughout the song, Closer only features one hook that appears in every single section of the song. So here's an example of the hook in its instrumental form here. So while the melody of this hook remains essentially the same from section to section, which gets it completely ingrained in the listener's head, the manner in which the hook is delivered varies throughout the song, which helps to keep it fresh and engaging. So there are 12 variations of it, which include an array of different synths, electric guitar, Halsey singing it, Taggart singing it, both of them singing it concurrently, 
full iterations of the hook and partial iterations of the hook as well. So a lot of variations going on here. I feel like, uh, Dave, the, the real hook of that song is the instrumental. Yes, uh, isn't 100,000%. That the one that, like, more than, than the vocals, even though it's the same melody. It's the same a, melody, yeah. but that's really where it comes to the forefront. Right. Exactly. exactly. It's like, it, like, literally, I can see it, myself it could be an instrumental. You don't so need words. Times. It could just be an instrumental. <laughs> Absolutely. Remix. Um, so also like Shape of You, this hook was influenced by another song. In this case, it was the phrase 2005 hit Over My Head Cable Car, for which those writers were later credited as well. It's essentially the same melody. Yeah. And a lot more close than... um, you know, that we heard in Shape of You with TLC's chorus being compared to uh, Shape of You's pre-chorus. This is just that one hook that was extracted and used in the... The whole song was based around that hook. It's and, so funny. I, yeah. I listened to that song, like, when I saw the news break that they had added. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The writers, and I listened to it, and I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. And now, I don't know why how I missed it, because now that I hear it back-to-back, I'm like, oh, yeah, if you just, like, took that... Stretched it a little bit, played with it like you'd it's the exact slow it yeah, down you'd a little exactly. bit. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Um, yeah, so, you know, listen, what we could do now is listen to a few sections to see, um, you know, how the delivery of the hook varies throughout the song while the core melody remains the same. So, um, you know, let's pick it up in the third chorus and here Taggart is singing the chorus lyrics with the hook melody. Baby, pull me closer in the backseat of your over that I know you can't afford. Bite that tattoo. Now in the vocal break section that follows, there's a low-level synth playing the hook melody in the background in conjunction with Taggart and Halsey alternating between singing the uh, We Ain't Ever Getting Older partial vocal hook. And the interaction between the two of them provides the section with a really engaging flow. So it's really a fragment of that hook that's now, you know, you have this, you know, really infectious um, duet between Halsey and Taggart, which are bringing the, you know, bringing the, uh, the tension to an apex in this section. And then that tension is then going to release in the instrumental break that follows. So when we did our workshop, we actually had a whole segment dedicated to just this song. And basically what we did was we showed the progression. Unfortunately, I I think in a, you know, podcast, uh, uh, you know, what what we're doing here, the the audio is not going to come through that well. But you can listen to like all these like low level hooks used throughout the songs, like in the verse and the pre-chorus and everything else. It's just always kept into effect in every single section. So that's why you can't get the song out of your head. Yeah, There's I, so many variations. Right, I, I, I knew it's, it's a hook fest, but I didn't quite realize of how it's the same hook. Just did you call it a ways. hook fest? Is that not cool? 
I just had never heard it's of it before. Fest. See, it's a hook fest. Dave says I, it's a hook fest. I think it's. I, I think we actually used that in the first podcast that we did. I think we called it a hook fest. Maybe that's where I got it from. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's, it's like these it's, songs. It's exactly I, I copped it from fest. from Dave, just yeah, like yeah. Uh, like taken from no, TLC. But a, absolutely, but you know, so the clever aspect of this is that you know it's that same melody that's over and over and over again, getting completely ingrained in your head. But because you're changing up the timbre of the instruments. You know, and the vocals and partial and full hooks and this and that, you don't really notice that it's the same thing over and over again. You're just, you know, enjoying the song. But then when it's, you know, resonating in your head as you're trying to go to sleep, and then you look, you know, you do an analysis on it, you're like, oh, it's the same thing over and over right. and over again. So. And as catchy as the music is, I really think the lyrics are a real draw in the song, that repetition of, we ain't never getting older. It just sort of puts in your mind this youth angle. It just, it's kind of a nice nice thought that you're always going to stay young I think that's a big yeah, part and it, and it applies and it's very universal you know it's not just millennials that it's going to connect with it's going to connect with anybody you know that's you know been in some kind of relationship and lost a lover and reconnects or whatever maybe you're not hooking up in the backseat of a rover but I mean you know it's uh... well I think the lyrics do have like a, a good millennial tie-in though it like yeah, I yeah, mean yeah. it's like it's yeah. things about like you know the rover that you have that you really can't afford yeah. I mean the ro- the mattress that you stole from your roommate those Back just Boulder, not yeah. having money it's just it, yeah, being being <laughs> broken having no that's prospects that's not just millennials See, and, 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 and that yeah. <laughs> But, you know, that's another interesting aspect of the song and that we see a lot in, you know, top ten hits where you have specifics being used in lyrics. So in this case, like, you know, Boulder, Colorado and the Range Rover, you know, that it might not, I might not have a Range Rover or have been in Boulder, Colorado, but the universal connotation of the lyrics still connects with me. So you provide more depth to the narr- narrative by using these specifics, right. but the overall gist of it is still universal, so it connects with the audience. And mm-hmm. the Blink-182 song, that's, uh, yeah. that yeah. also has, yeah. Yeah, yeah, actually, exactly. that actually exactly. does time yes. it to someone who might have grown up when they were listening to right. music, late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, and, and the song has a completely different vibe than most of the other songs that were in the top ten. You know, it's got that kind of hipster, sparse, kind of, you know, especially like in the, in the verse. Um, and Taggart was also influenced by like Blink-182 and The Fray and uh, you know some others. So it has that kind of alternative quality as well, which really helps it to stand out. Well, when you were here last year, uh, guys, you talked about uh, we broke down uh, Don't Let Me Down yeah, by the yeah, Chainsmokers exactly, with exactly. Dave. And, and yep. I remember you were saying, Dave, about yep. the, the, cor- the verses to that song really are kind of alternative with some of the guitars. It's something you might hear an alternative hit. Yeah, because you normally don't think of using electric guitars and EDM-influenced pop songs. But here, that was another differential, kind of original factor that really helped it to stand out amongst everybody else. It's not your typical, uh, you know, Calvin Harris song, for example. Yeah. So main point, why uh, Closer has been such a big hit uh, most weeks in the Hot 100's top five all time of any song, tied mm. for most weeks in the top ten, 12 weeks at number one. Just that repetition of a really catchy hook, which which we learned really <laughs> is taken in, in some ways from, from the phrase, <laughs> over my head cable car, but... At least they'll be handsomely compensated for it. Yes, yes, yes. Win-win, as you you put it. Win-win, that's right. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much as always. I feel like we always learn so much going deep into hit songs. So uh, really, thank you again. It's a pleasure. Yael, if people want to find out more, how can they find out more? Well, they can go to hitsongsdeconstructed.com, and you can check out our reports there. You can also check out our interactive database. So uh, enjoy. When I was pregnant in jail, I thought I was going to have a baby and the baby would never be with me, but I was acquitted a month and three days before Tupac was born. I was real happy because I had a son. When I was young, me and my mama had beef, 17 years old.
out on the streets. Though back at the time, I never thought I'd see a face. Ain't a woman alive that could take my mama's place. Spend it from school. All right, and so for our flashback this week, uh, wrapping things up, we're going to talk a little bit about Tupac's Dear Mama, which hit the top 10 of the Hot 100 this week back in 1995. Tupac's first top 10 on the Hot 100. He'd eventually go on to hit number one with the double A side of California Love and How Do You Want It. Here to help us talk a little bit about Tupac, and we're going to spin it forward also to Tupac's well-noted connection with Kendrick Lamar, uh, is Billboard staff writer Dan Rice. So I want to give a shout out to Dan. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, so before we spin it forward to, uh, to Kendrick, let's talk a little bit about Tupac. Uh, so the song Dear Mama, like we said, hit the top 10 of the Hot 100. Kind of an interesting song in, in Tupac's catalog because, you know, if, if you know nothing about Tupac, really, and you have this sort of image of him, you know, most people think he's obviously one of the, the, the Death Row Records you know, the man from Death Row Records, he's... The tattoo on his stomach that says Thug Life, too. Yeah, yeah that's, that that's is... the overriding image of Tupac, I would say, yeah. A hundred percent. And this song is, you know, it is is not that at all. It's not, you know, it's not hit him up. It's not vulgar. It's not anything. It's really a celebration of his mom, which, you know, I guess if, for some people that might be even shocking that the man can express admiration for somebody else. But, you know, this song was... Ouch. Was... <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying that, you know, there are those out there on, no, no, on... <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's a celebration of his mom, but it's also, um, it speaks to his broader catalog because his mom wasn't a perfect person. And, you know, he's talking about how he loves her even in spite of all of those, you know, you know, you was always, always a crack fiend mama, you know, like it's, right. you know, it's, it, it fits in my mind in his catalog so perfectly because, it tells a real, raw, authentic story with emotion behind it. And at the end of the day, I think that that was what Tupac's real calling card was, was he was going to tell you exactly how it was, any situation it was, and tell it with conviction and emotion and and real heart behind it. You know, it wasn't a California love. It wasn't some of these other records that really was the first time that sort of a mass audience really got to know him and appreciate him. Well, I think it speaks to kind of what you were saying too. You know, there was he did have that image, especially coming out of you know the the early '90s of, you know, he and don't forget he was in films. Um, yeah, you like know, and justice, that also spoke kinda, you know yeah. spoke to his image. And I think that this was maybe the first time that um, people who weren't paying complete attention to his discography saw that other side of him. You know, it was the first real single you know that was that was maybe pushed that was like, oh, he's you know you know it's thug life forever but it's you know emotional thug life forever sometimes too you know and then we also got uh, changes which was pretty musical with the bruce hornsby uh, sample and ghetto gospel with elton john so there would be more mm-hmm. uh, of that uh, sort of poppier musical side yeah and changes is such a great song that i mean the piano and everything like that and you know what's always struck me well especially in the last few years is changes you could you could ha- release changes brand new right now not change any of the lyrics, and you, it wouldn't be out of place. Right. Which is stark. Ly- lyrically. Yeah, it's, lyrically, it's, yeah. It's so 100%. Yeah. And obviously, you know, Tupac's influence, even though after Dear Mama, you know, he was unfortunately shot and killed, you know, maybe a year and a half after this song really blew up. So, you know, never got to see sort of the full fruition of his potential. But his legacy, you know, even in sort of the short shortest time he was making music lives on today um in particular we want to talk about kendrick lamar the number one artist this week how how interesting do you think it is and important that you know 
a guy like Kendrick can be number one on the album's charts, can be number one on the singles chart. And, you know, what do you think Tupac would think of that today? Well, I mean, I it's it's hard for me to really imagine what Tupac would think about anything. But, I mean, I think that's for someone like Kendrick, the real achievement in my mind is is the single. You know, he... he ha- <clears throat> it was before this album he hadn't had a single anywhere near the top 10 of the hot 100 as a lead artist as a lead artist of course yeah um and so for for him to be now embraced as a singles artist in a way um by the mainstream in that way i think that 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 really kind of speaks to to um just the changing perception of kendrick of kendrick lamar as an artist and you know i think that that's you know that transition is something that also happened in Tupac's career, you know, going from being a street artist um, to, you know, like really making anthems for his neighborhood, for his city, and then eventually it spread throughout the country and the, and the world. And I think, you know, not not to compare them too much, although Kendrick has brought those comparisons on, comparisons on himself, but, you know, you could see Kendrick on a similar path right now. Yeah, it seems... Um this to me is kind of one of the most interesting parts of Kendrick's career because obviously with his last album, Smith Butterfly, he got a lot of the critical acclaim, obviously had a big commercial success as well. But, you know, the numbers that he's just putting up at this point in time are, are enormous. And I think for a lot of people, obviously, we're celebrating, you know, what this is now. And obviously, the, the number one hit, the number one album. But, yeah, where where do you think maybe Kendrick's career could go from this? Do you think, you know, people have been saying that, you know, Tupac were still alive. He could have been, you know a real activist, uh, maybe even a politician to some degree. Do you think that Kendrick has any desire to do that or could see himself there? Well, it's interesting. So first, before we get into that, you brought up to Pimp a Butterfly. If you remember, that entire album led up to a long conversation that Kendrick had with Tupac that was taken from a Norwegian radio interview, if I recall correctly. I was at XXL Magazine at the time, and I actually tracked down that Norwegian uh, DJ. Um, and he also surprise released that album on a Saturday, which coincided with the 20th anniversary of Me Against the World. Which so, is the album that Dear Mama album. is yeah, on, actually. Exactly. Um, so, you know, that's where, that's what I, that's what I'm referring to when, you know, I say Kendrick has kind of laid the groundwork for those comparisons as well. Um, I think that in many ways, Tupac himself was a, a revolutionary um, that never got to realize, you know, the potential of what his ideas were were heading towards. Um, I'm not sure necessarily that Kendrick um, would want to to take on that mantle outside of his music. I think that the way that he um, expresses himself, I mean, even you know, in between album cycles, he's rarely doing interviews. Um, you know, he's rarely putting himself out there. You know, in the public in the public eye outside of his music, I think that, you know, in a certain respect, he feels that his duty as an artist is to put his ideas, to put his thoughts and to really tell his stories through his music. Um, I think when you look at something, uh, uh, the song, uh, like the song All Right, you know, that was, that was an inspiring song that became an anthem in a way, but it almost you know, it wasn't necessarily that Kendrick tried to make it into an anthem. The people embraced it and made it into an anthem. And I think that, you know, that there is a certain extent that you could argue that that that's what Kendrick is trying to do with his music is to, you know, lead through that 
And then you can take his music and embrace it and use it in a way, in a revolutionary way, in an inspiring way, in things like, in any way that you really want. And I think that 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 is his goal as an artist. And I think that, that he's been achieving that pretty consistently for the last five or six years now. Yeah, and definitely. I mean, I know I don't want to bring it back to the numbers to say, you know, it's it's selling, it's making money. I know that's not what Kendrick would be about or, or what the spirit of any of that would be about. But I do think, you know, the numbers are great to see that, like what you're saying, that, you know, people are actively embracing this. They're paying attention and they're really absorbing it, you know, from the minute it hits the streets. And as we see, you know, on the charts, I mean, people are really paying attention and they're loving it. We were talking before, Dan, about just what stands out so much about Humble and why it is number one. What, what do you think just as as a rap fan? What- yeah, you know, it is funny. I it, it is funny to me that that of all of his songs became the one that went to number one. Um, I just think that, you know, there's something about that hook. It's so snappy. It's so simple. It's so, you know, one of the things that, and I, I know that <clears throat> there's a lot of conversation right now comparing Drake and Kendrick Lamar. But one of the things that I've always thought about Drake, in spite of the fact that I'm not the biggest fan of him, is that he was able to turn pieces of his songs into cultural catchphrases. Mm -hmm. That's what Kendrick almost effortlessly did with Humble. You know, sit down, be humble. And you're already, you know, you're already half, you know, into the hook there. And I think that, you know, that more than anything um, is is probably what helped propel it to, to the top. Well, yeah, like you said, it's at the top, and we're definitely going to see how long it hangs on. These streams have been massive. People have been loving and embracing it. So we'll see uh, what what Kendrick can keep doing. Yep, we'll see if it gets another week at number one on the Hot 100 next week or if Ed Sheeran uh, comes back to number one. Again, maybe Bruno Mars, but uh, not the last we'll be hearing about Kendrick. The album's going to continue to be huge, so uh, we'll keep uh, seeing what happens. Uh, Join us next week again on the Billboard Sharpie podcast. And special thanks to our guest again, Billboard staff writer Dan Rice. Thanks for having me. That's the way it is. That's just the way it is. Things will never be the same. That's just the way it is. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 